Welcome back to this week's episode of MIP Scouting's Pod. Today we are with Tim Bertrand, our director of combat sports, and returning to the pod is Sean, our director of college football. So quick, we're going to recap episode one. I have a feeling I'm going to get aired out a little bit because of my guarantee, (laughs) but, but I'm here to tell everybody at the end of the show, we're going to buckle it back up and we're going to ride once again. All right. Sometimes you get knocked off the whole mortgage on it. Sometimes you get knocked off the horse. We're going to come back. So, again, week zero, overall good. It, it was a tough betting week for all of us, but we're moving forward. Um, Sean, you, do, you want to, do you want to give it to me now or later? It's up to you. Um. You know, I'm just really happy that I didn't uh, decide to, you know, take um, our grandmother's social security <laughs> check and bet it all on uh, your prediction. So that's good. Uh, nor did I remortgage my house to put a bet on it. So that's great. Um, so we just push forward, you know, we move forward. Um, I guess the, the moral of the story is roll with Io because he's the only one whose bet actually. It's true. And Io's not here. So uh, we might have an no, offer this no, week. We're going we're gonna to come back hard. So. Big week ahead. Um, college football starts Thursday. Then we have two massive Ooh. fights Saturday. And then we're going to end the week also with college football. So before we get into the college football Beautiful. portion, let's roll right into combat sports. Tim, what do you got for us this week? Well, this weekend we're going to see uh, the UFC's actually first appearance in uh, Paris, France. It's headlined by uh, Cyril Gan versus Tai Tuivasa. Uh, two heavyweight contenders. Cyril Gaon most recently uh, challenged for the heavyweight title. And uh, Tai Tuivasa is an up-and-comer, so I think that that's going to be a very exciting event. Uh, it was great to see, you know, the organization go more international. Uh, they've definitely been branching out more uh, these past few years. So, you know, the uh, branching out into France will just overall make the sport better, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And kind of um, piggybacking off what you just said, Gone is actually minus 540 at the present. Tui Vos is plus mm-hmm. 420. And that's the main event. I mean, that's a huge yep. split. But you're international. I know you're not, you know, you're in France. But what do we think? A shoey? There could <laughs> be a shoey after after the main event. You know? Tui Vos yeah. has been a dog more often yeah, than not recently. And he's continued, he's continued to rise to the occasion. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles just the raw power um, of Cyril. And then, I mean, the co-main also has massive implications. Um, Whitaker Vittori. I would say, I mean, the co-main is really every bit as good, if not better than the headliner. This is a real, for a non-pay-per-view, this is a really, really good card. Yeah. Whitaker, Whitaker Vittori. Whitaker right now, minus 230. Vittori plus yeah, one ninety five. That should be closer. It makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that that the headliner really. I mean, I personally think that this is a closer fight than, um, than uh, you know, last week's matchup when you know the or two week ago matchup with you know Rocky Edwards obviously pulling one of the <laughs> craziest upsets we've seen in years. Um, the fact that these odds are further apart than even that fight. I mean, mm-hmm. that's. It just feels strange. It just feels a little off, you know. There's a lot of money coming in on gone, but um, and, and if you got an extra ten bucks laying around, well, why not? You yeah, stand I to make think 50 that, um, you know, because Tai Tuivasa kind of has this reputation as a meme. Uh, I think it was two years ago he was on. No, actually, like uh, three years ago. I think it was like 2019. He had went on a bit of a. I think it was a three fight losing streak. Uh, he lost to some guys, and then he had to kind of build his way back mm-hmm. up. So. You know, even though he has beaten some big names, I mean, he had a brutal knockout of uh, Derek Lewis in the last fight. I don't think that he garners the same level of respect that a lot of the heavyweights do. Yeah. And when you see somebody yeah. who's, you know, as skilled as Cyril Gaon, I mean, he can do everything. He can strike. He's probably the most agile heavyweight in the division. I don't, even, I don't even know if I need to preface it with probably. He is. He moves different. Like, you look at how he fights, it's ridiculous. Like, he, it looks like he's fighting people who are 50 pounds heavier than him. Uh, and then he also has a ground game. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of people, you know, if Francis and Ganu didn't uh, <laughs> randomly uh, show us uh, a wrestling game that we never saw before in the last fight, I think that he would be the champion. He's probably, or I would say, the most skilled heavyweight right now uh, in the company. So I definitely see why uh, Tuivasa is a dog in this fight, but Bam Bam can strike with anyone. I, you know, I, I don't know if it will. I also think that people might be basing their perception of that fight off of uh, Gon's fight with Derek Lewis. There are a lot of similarities between Lewis and um, Tuivasa's game. Uh, Tuivasa is a lot younger, though. I personally think that uh, he's a little bit more to the striking game. For instance, uh, Tuivasa throws elbows. He throws knees. Um, he throws a lot more kicks. You know, Derek Lewis, was uh, he's a banger. You know, he wants to punch you in the face. He has the ability to knock you out with the kick. Yeah, I think yeah. he has some kick knockouts, but he was never the most skilled mixed martial artist, where I think that Ty has a little bit more of a solid kickboxing base, if that makes sense. And and to your point, nah, to your point, I think, you know, what separates, and this is a comparison, what separates Lewis and Ty even that much further is that I don't remember the last time we've seen Derek Lewis with stamina. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying that Ty has, has the juice to mm -hmm. go the distance, but he's not going to be walking around on dead legs. <laughs> In the second round. If they're going to stand in back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Round. Maybe, maybe if Cyril can get him to the ground, but you know, that's that's also like a separation mm -hmm. point, and that could explain why the betting line is mm -hmm. the way it is. Um, I mean, you could really see, you know, what I mean, you could see Gon just take this to the mm -hmm. take this right to the floor. You know what I mean? If he takes this to the mat, it's it, it's going to be a long and boring fight. I mean, he's going to ball mm -hmm. the guy up. He's just so much better on the ground, but. All it takes is, you know, one punch. One punch is it. Yeah, you know, Gon can do it everywhere. Um, you know, I mean, he's he has a heel hook. Um, he has a heel hook win at heavyweight. You know, that that in and of itself is pretty absurd when you think about, you know, the Chaos. he's I don't even know if he's a black belt in jujitsu, uh, personally, but you know, he has uh I think he has three knockouts, or no, I think he has uh, four knockouts. He has three subs. So, and he only has 10 wins. <laughs> so, you know, he can beat you anywhere. Um, I do think that, and he also has never been knocked out, which is a big factor when you go into the heavyweights. He can roll with the punches. Uh, he has been in there with big punchers. Uh, you know, Francis Ngannou, you know, he was, he was looking scared on the feet. He, he did not want to sit there, even though every other fight <laughs> he's been trying to just take your head off. He was legitimately, um, you know, the way that Gon moves, the technicality of his strikes, the leg kicks, the body kicks. Uh, he threw a couple elbows Francis way. And, you know, uh, he was definitely preparing for uh, a grappling match because he was um, outmatched on the feet, obviously, power-wise. And Gon was, the, you know top dog in the entire company, but Cyril Gaon is really uh really a special breed. He's a different different type of fighter um that we've seen in the heavyweight division. A lot of people just think of big plotting bangers <laughs> that just wanna, you know, sit there and slug it out. But you know Cyril Gaon is um I don't want to call him the evolution of mixed martial arts. <laughs> I you know, but he really might be if he can, you know, get this win and then come back actually prepared for Francis Ngannou to wrestle him. I think that he could run a division for years. He's pretty young. He's in his early 30s. Um, there's just very few holes in his game. Yeah. I was going to say, Ngannou's got to be, mm -hmm. what, four to five years older than Ngannou at this point? So, I mean, mm -hmm. the the path is clear for him. You know, Stipe hung it up. Uh, Ngannou's getting older. Um, you know, you're – uh, unless, I mean, dude, if, if yeah, has yeah. anyone seen John Jones? Sorry, John Jones, Wayne. Yeah, okay, how do, how do we feel about that, the John Listen, Jones that. heavyweight thing? I think that it's been a long time. Right. I think personally, I think he's just so good, mm -hmm. man. He's just so good. I, I, I think realistically he could go in and just clear the heavyweight so, out. So kind of completing this thought mm -hmm. full circle, if John Jones does mm -hmm. emerge, that's certainly a new contender to the heavyweight mm -hmm. division. 
he has been preparing. Oh yeah. And and this fight not might not mean as much as it would without him. I believe um, there was a, a there was a. I, I just hope I hope that Dana doesn't go the Connor realm where it's like the, he gets one he, he can be inactive for two years. You get one tune up <laughs> fight and then a shot at the belt. That just you know I, listen. I, John Jones is a joy to watch, but he screwed up a lot. He's yep. been inactive for quite some time, and you know the, the step up from lightweight or from light heavyweight to heavyweight is not the same thing as going yeah. from you know what i mean welterweight to middleweight it's you know you're fighting and you could be fighting a dude who's 30 40 50 pounds Seriously. heavier than anybody you've i was actually going to hit on that because um i feel like you you need your to do your due diligence so to speak and get your two three four fights in yeah there was rumblings uh i think it was like a month or two ago that uh, John Jones was going to fight Stipe, but I don't know exactly what happened with that. See, my thing with um, Jones is, okay, the only person that he ever fought that was at heavyweight was obviously Cormier. Cormier came down. Cormier is, he was a chubby heavyweight. You know what I'm saying? He's like five, he's like 5'10". He's a big guy. He was up there at 265. One of the things that made John Jones so dominant and dangerous throughout his uh, reign was the fact that he's taller and had a longer reach than most of the guys that he fought. He has like an 84-inch reach or something absurd like that, like Rudy Gobert arms. So when you go up to heavyweight, though, the problem is, is that now weight is not going to be to your well i mean weight wasn't to his advantage at light heavyweight obviously they all had to weigh in at 205 but the pure size you know the ability to keep people off of you is going to be a lot more difficult for him and you know we we honestly saw you know the last um three fights that he had he didn't look like uh you know the john jones of like 2010 where it was just like this guy is like a a machine of mixed martial arts yeah dominic reyes rocked him and like you know, I mean, no, okay, no disrespect to Dominic Reyes if he's ever going to see this, but um, you know, that's not necessarily the caliber that should be uh, cracking John Jones. And then, <laughs> and then you're going up, you're going to fight somebody like Cyril. Cyril is going to be bigger than you because at the end of the day, John cut down to 205. All right, so let's guesstimate. He probably walked around at 230, 235. You go to fight somebody like Cyril Gan. Or maybe not Cyril Gahn, even Francis. Francis cut down to 265. So think about that, you know. So I, I I don't know if I think that there is a definite reason for his hesitation or the time that he's taking to kind of commit to a fight at heavyweight because he in his last couple fights, you know, Tiago Santos was a split decision, and once again, contender, top fiver in the division. Uh, mainstay type guy, but um, I wouldn't call him elite. I wouldn't call Dominic Reyes elite either in terms of their talent. So I am very intrigued to see what happens when John goes to heavyweight because I think that there's more to meet more than meets the eye as to why he's taking so long to make this decision because he's a mover and shaker in the company. He could he could be fighting heavyweight tomorrow if he wanted to. You know what I'm saying? Fighting some guy who. Yeah. Uh, like you said, uh, maybe someone outside of the top five fighting like a Volkov just to see how it feels to be up there. Guys like Curtis Blades, they have beef with John Jones or, you know, they've had the media back and forth, that type of thing. He hasn't really called them out. So I don't know. Like, I know that he is, you know, as we currently see him, the GOAT, he's unbeatable and this and that. But the last few fights, you know, last three fights have been decisions. You know, his last finish was uh, against Alexander Gustafson four years ago. And Gus kind of was already on the downtrend in his career. Um, he wasn't the same as when they fought the first time. Sorry, I, I didn't make a throw. No, no, no. No, I just, you know, my whole thing with, with John Jones isn't so much <sighs> – I'm not expecting him to go in there and be the same and, and assert the same level of dominance he was at, you know, 27, 28 years old. You can't expect that of a guy in his mid-30s. You know, you're not going to be at your athletic prime, um, especially with the amount of layoffs he's had throughout his career. But it's just, you know, gone and, you know, and Nganu, I think, 
I, I, dude, I just think John Jones is going to be too mm-hmm. quick, too skilled for Nganu. And, I, I mean, dude, DC um, is one of the greatest, greatest wrestlers in the history of, of mixed martial arts. And, dude, John's takedown defense was, yeah. was outrageous in both of their fights. DC mm-hmm. really couldn't get much going against them, you know. Um, and, and I think, you know, obviously gone being a little bit, you know, a little bit heftier, a little bit stronger would work in his favor. But... I just don't see Gan getting that fight to the ground, and I don't think he can strike with John Jones, you know. And I don't yeah. think Ngannou can keep up with John Jones from a stamina and skill so perspective. My, my so. final blanket <laughs> statement, because I do want to talk about, I do want to talk about oh. Whitaker Vittori, and I have one, and I have one person on the undercard that I flagged because I think they're they're going to be mm-hmm. rising as as they currently stand. My blanket statement is. The John Jones idea has been floated out there for what now feels like two years. It, it may be two years. It mm. may be longer. All we've been seeing is John Jones <laughs> in the gym getting strong, you know, building muscle, trying to get to a size that can compete with these heavyweights. In my opinion, he wants no part of Francis no. Ngannou. And I know that Ngannou's on the men, but I think if – and Ganu truly dropped the belt in a in a fight. John Jones would be the <laughs> next man up immediately. Immediately. And, yeah. and that's where I stand on that. Yeah, I do. I, I mean that's that's a fair assessment. Did you see um did you see Nganu and uh Deontay no, Wilder standing next to each other? Yeah, I'm... did you see the video of them two together? Listen to me. Deontay Wilder looked like <laughs> A black and mild that Ngannou was going to pick up and smoke. He was so friggin' scrawny oh, really? standing next to Ngannou. He looked, they looked like the number 10 wow. standing next to each other. Like it was, he's so yeah. goddamn big. He's I know. huge. He's a, he, is, uh, mm. he is part man, part machine, literally. He is cyborg <laughs> from the Justice League. That's Ngannou. He's, he's right. Stacked. So, so that's, that's our blanket statement on that. And then Whitaker Vittori. I also think it's interesting yep. because as as we talk about stakes, mm-hmm. right, we got two guys that are kind of now looking for a foothold. You know, Whitaker is a name brand, right? Former champ. Across right. Across the UFC landscape, Whitaker is a name brand. But he's he's lost a little recently. You know, it it doesn't like, right. the it doesn't feel like he has the same juice. And Vittori has always seemed to tread mm-hmm. water because he hasn't been able to get past a guy yeah. like Whitaker, you know? Um, so now these two get to square off, and I really do think it's going to be a catapult for one and a backslide for the other. Yeah. I don't think that – I think the loser probably starts to drown somewhere in the bottom tier mm-hmm. of the ranking – and the winner might be able to get one more run at a title shot. Um, the tour is like the ultimate gatekeeper. Right. He's, a, he's the constant. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, even gatekeepers get their due if they're able to beat a household name on mm-hmm. the backslide, like Whitaker. Yeah. So, so I think that's going to be interesting. And I do expect Whitaker to win. I do expect Thank Whitaker you. to win. But I think it's going to be closer than people mm-hmm. expect. I mean, minus two thirty, it probably should be closer to a pick'em. Um, I I would probably yeah. lean Whitaker on points though. Yeah, I think that um the thing with but it was pretty much like you said. Um, at this point, this fight is basically who's going to be the next uh, gatekeeper in the middleweight division. Um, both of these guys. The last loss that they've had, I think, was Israel Adesanya. So, you know, uh, at, uh, and it's, it's tough because, truth be told, neither of them put the most inspired uh, performance against Izzy the last time they fought. Um, Bobby got rocked really bad in, like, the second round, I believe. Uh, he got put to the floor, but he was able to recover from that. Izzy's not as aggressive as he used to be. Um and Marvin Vittori, I mean, he's just a blockhead, man. I mean, <laughs> I was looking at some little shots he was taking from Paulo Costa, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, this guy is iron chin. So, like you said, I do think that either way, this is probably going to be a decision. 
Vittori has not finished a fight since 2020. Um, Whitaker, I don't know. Uh, he definitely looked more dominant, I guess, if you were to compare how they performed against the top guys. Uh, Whitaker had a really good showing from what I remember against Jared Cannonier, uh, who just challenged for the title. I think he's very solid. Um, the fight with Gastelum, a little bit more back and forth than I thought it would be, given where Gastelum is in his career. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, Whitaker probably takes this one as well. And I think that Vittori probably entertains the idea of moving up to light heavyweight. He looked pretty solid against Costa up there. Light heavyweight's kind of wide open um, right now because you have what coming up? Uh, Jiri versus Glover. Uh, you have some guys like Jamal, Jamal Hill who are coming up. Dynamite in his hands, by the way. That guy's ridiculous. Uh, I really like how he fights. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the title's been jumping around a little bit. I think that Vittori's very solid uh, all around MMA game. You know, I don't know. He's kind of one of those um, Swiss Army knife or like jack of all trades, but master of none. I wouldn't say that he's a knockout puncher. Um, his best display of wrestling came against Kevin Holland, who like looked like he had never been on a mat before. Uh, you know, so yeah. is he's an interesting. <laughs> he's in an interesting spot. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's, I'm I'm with the consensus here. Yeah, I think Whitaker. Just, you know what I mean? I, I think it's a uh, close fight, but, you know, close decision in favor of Whitaker. Yeah. I don't really see, you know, uh, it could go either way. You know what I mean? I'm not confident mm -hmm. picking either guy. I think it's a coin toss, but, yeah, I, I gun to my head, I'm probably rocking okay. with Whitaker. Yeah, and then kind of my last thing about the UFC event, um, undercard watch list. You got some guys making their mm -hmm. debuts, um, a ton of international mm -hmm. fighters. I mean, obviously, considering the event. The one person I did want to highlight is, um, if I butcher his first name, I apologize. Abus <laughs> Magomedov, Dagestani. Mm -hmm. He's 31 years old, so he is yeah. a little bit older. He was fighting in the, the, yeah, um, the PFL originally. Yep, 24-4-1. Yeah. You know what you're getting out of these <laughs> Russian, Dagestani, you know, fighters. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised, even at his age, if he gave the UFC um, a, a consistent force within mm -hmm. his division, uh, maybe at 31, even though he doesn't have UFC experience, he becomes the gatekeeper mm -hmm. for his own division. Obviously, he has to get past mm -hmm. his debut. But, I mean, again, as most people know, if you're Dagestani, <laughs> if your last name is even close – to if it ends in an OV, <laughs> right? You're probably you're probably going to cause some poor yeah. soul. You probably had wrestled bears when you were a child. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's Lakers. that's the guy I'm looking. At. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the guy I'm looking at. Everybody else, I'll be interested to see how they perform. Um, but that's kind of, you know, our grouping. On the UFC yeah, I did want to mention uh, there was uh, some other uh, pretty Please. good fights. Uh, John Mokdesi and uh, Nasrat Hakpras, sorry. Striking match. Uh, John Mokdesi is a UFC vet. He's been around for a really long time. Very solid um, karate base. So he's very entertaining to watch because um, he's not, you know, a tentative karate guy. He likes to go out there and strike with you. Uh, Nasrat Hakpras actually just lost to... Um, Bobby Green, uh, but that was a really good fight. Uh, I, I can't remember what card it was on. I believe it was earlier this year, but um, it was uh, back and forth. It was a slugfest. I mean, every fight that Bobby Green is in is is pretty fun to watch, and Nasrat definitely held his own. I thought it was a little bit closer um, than people thought it was at the time, uh, so that's going to be on the main card as well. It's going to be very entertaining uh, at lightweight. And then uh, the last one I wanted to hit on was uh, Charles Jordan versus uh, Nathaniel Wood. I like Jordan a lot. He could do it all. Yes. You know, he can submit you. He can knock you out. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with Wood personally. Or I may have uh, seen him in an event in passing when he was kind of coming up and, you know, didn't really uh, 
pay too much stock in him at that time. But uh, I definitely like Jordan. He's coming off a loss to Shane Burgos, who just went to uh, the PFL. So um, he's definitely going to be looking to get back in the win column. That's actually the main card uh, opening fight. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a fun card all around. I did think that there was going to be a little bit more representation for France here. But maybe this is the card or, you know, the event that kind of uh, sparks some life into that. I don't believe that Cyril Ghosn is the only one like him out there. <laughs> you know, we're kind of in a Russian invasion in the UFC right now, talking about, uh, you know, these guys from Dagestan who are just like absurd wrestlers. So, you know, it's always interesting to see how that kind of adds to the game. Back in uh, 2010, that was like when I first really started watching UFC. It was like, wow, all these Brazilian guys, where are they coming from? And so I think that, you know, the game is kind of just becoming worldwide. So it's interesting to see this. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how this event, uh, you know, overall adds to MMA. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a really good, you know, kind of transition. Um, Just, you know, you're talking about the expansion of the sport adding value to, you know, UFC as a whole. Pivoting to boxing, we've been in kind of a boxing renaissance, right? The heavyweights have kind of started to rule the roost again. Um, It's been really good for boxing overall. And while this is a smaller event, you still have a very, you know, important heavyweight matchup in Ruiz and Ortiz. Um, I think that both have something to prove. I mean, they both contended. Ruiz had an unprecedented <laughs> fight win against Joshua, even though he immediately dropped the belt yep. in the rematch. Um, so again, like similar to Whitaker Vittori, I think that this is really like a a projection and a backslide kind of fight, right? If you win, maybe you roll mm-hmm. the dice with Fury kind of stepping away. You might be able to get yep. a title shot. If you lose you probably become the heavyweight gatekeeper, right? Which isn't mm-hmm. a bad gig, but you're gonna get you're gonna just consistently get beat up on by guys that time. are proven to be better than you. You know? So and I think it goes either way. I think my my standing for this, my prediction is that it does not mm-hmm. go the distance. I think that's mm-hmm. an easy one. Um even though yeah. I'm always hesitant to do that with like really high performing athletes mm-hmm. in any sport. Um, especially boxing. Um, yeah, but I think I think that's where I'm at. What do you guys think? These guys, these are you got two just just so such powerful punchers. Um, you know, listen, Ortiz was the Ortiz was the, the boogeyman of that heavyweight division yeah. for a very long time, man. And you know the he only got a handful of chances to go up against you know that upper echelon competition, but. All things considered, that Wilder fight, I, I mean, Ortiz probably won nine or ten of those rounds. If Wilder doesn't knock him out. It's, you know what I mean? It, you're looking at Ortiz Fury yeah. as opposed to Wilder Fury. You know, it, it really yeah. changed the whole trajectory. Um, you know, he is uh, just, you know, one of those mm-hmm. slick Cubans. Um, the, the fact that he can, you know, obviously he's up there in age. <laughs> who knows how old he really is. But, you know, he's at least in his nope. 40s. Um, yeah. He's at least in his mid forties at this point. Um, yeah, he's very, very technically gifted boxer, um, and what he has lost in hand speed and stamina, he's made up for with you know just that raw power and his, his skill. Um, and then you know what I mean. You, you got a dude like Andy Ruiz. You know he was modern day Rocky. You know what I mean. Kind of just out yeah. of nowhere, taking out you know this 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 human being and Anthony Joshua, who looks like he is just. <sighs> made in a lab to be a heavyweight boxer before we knew that <laughs> he was softer than silk. Um, you, you know, and going up there and doing what he did is just super impressive. I think he was smelling himself mm-hmm. a little bit in that second AJ fight. Um, but, you know, he seems like he's refocused. Yeah. He looks to be yeah. in very good shape. Um, he seems to have found a good balance with his weight. Uh, you know, I feel like he lost a little bit too much weight there for a while and it affected his power. Um, and the cut, you know what I mean? The cut downs were getting to him, you know what I mean, over just his overall health. Um, I think that, you know, personally, he looks great. And this is a pickle for me. This is really a coin toss, um, which is a beautiful thing. It's good for boxing fans. You know, you're going to see two guys go in there and just 
bang. You're going to see two guys with a lot of power, two guys with something to prove, uh, just go in there and bang it out. And, you know, it's going to be a treat yeah, for everybody. Um, I'm interested to see how this fight goes because, <laughs> as you mentioned, we don't. Uh, I don't even know how old Luis Ortiz is. is. He's been around forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, could gen- genuinely could be that old. Uh, he is definitely in his mid-40s. Uh, I do think that... Uh, it's going to be an interesting showing because this is kind of a, a I won't say make or break. Andy Ruiz is relatively young. However, if you, you know, okay. In the last fight, Ruiz got knocked down by Chris Ariola, who is another geriatric heavyweight from a past generation. Yes. Now, if you fight Ortiz now and you're not really able to, uh, have a great showing. I think that it definitely hurts his opportunity. I think that for a big guy like Ruiz, um, <clears throat> you know, when the champion is uh, a guy like Usyk who's coming up from cruiserweight and you're huge and you know how to use the weight, you know, Anthony Joshua, uh, you know, he's a power puncher. Whereas I would say that Ruiz definitely uh, has more of a boxing base. Although uh, Joshua did outbox him in their second fight, but uh, you know I didn't really like Joshua's approach there. He seemed very tentative, very uh, you know jab and jab and move away, and not in a slick. Yep, and and, and yeah, and, and not necessarily in a slick way because I respect the styles of uh, you know pure boxers. Uh, you know I know Joe loves Loma. Uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather, you know, but the way that Joshua handled that fight against Ruiz, it kind of showed some holes in Ruiz's game. I think that he should have been able to catch him. Um, but overall, you know, like you said, there's two power punchers going, um, going, you know, at it. Ruiz has always shown that he has a lot of heart. Like I said, he did get knocked down uh, against Ariola. And Ortiz, <laughs> like you said, that man is a bomber. I think two years ago, he had a knockout in the first round. And as we just said, he's like 47. You know, it's like, it's insane. Now, I don't know what, what's in the water in Cuba. You, know, you look at someone else like Yoel Romero. How are these guys in their mid-40s and they look better than like prime <laughs> guys who are in their athletic prime? It's very interesting. But honestly, I might uh, I might uh, go on the, uh, the more solid take here. I think that uh, Ortiz might get a knockout. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not really? I mean, Ortiz is a fighter with, you know, like you said, Ruiz is young. You know, he's he's young in boxing terms. You know, mm-hmm. he has a chance to make another push. Um, he can't build himself back up. This is pretty much it for Louis exactly. Ortiz. You know, this is this is his final, I mean, his final push to you know get a strap. And I think that you know a fighter with nothing to lose, a man at his age who's already had an mm-hmm. accomplished career, he's made his money. You know, he's. He ain't got nothing to lose, man. He's going to go in there and put it all on the line to get that strap, knowing that, you know, Wilder mm-hmm. has been exposed. AJ's been exposed. Uh, Fury looks like he's about to, yeah, you know what I mean? Fury's in limbo right now. You know, that division, yeah, man, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, Usyk is fantastic. But I feel like someone like Ortiz with his combination mm-hmm. of size, skill, and power yeah. is a pretty bad matchup for Usyk. And, you know, Styles make fights, yeah. man. Styles make fights. And he could really pull, you know, obviously we're looking, you know, a year in the future yeah. uh, contingent on a win. But I'm sure that's in the back of his mind, in his camp's mind. You know, you yeah, win this fight and you have a real chance. Day, um, you know, Usyk so far um, since he's moved up, what he fought, Joshua and uh, Chisora. You know, Derek Chisora is a – pretty uh yeah. prominent boxer i do think that there's some of that uh english bias there because i would personally say that uh ortiz has been better um you know but he hasn't really gotten the same amount of chances at the big fights you know chisora is a guy who's fought joshua he's fought fury i don't think he fought wilder ever um he fought guys like pulev you know so very solid uh kind of matchups and uh you know dylan white as well <laughs> it's definitely a kind of a I don't know if um, because I think the UFC does it to an extent too, but uh, there's definitely a favor towards guys who can speak English. Ortiz is like you said, I think he's severely underrated. I think that he has been robbed of the opportunity to fight guys like Chisora, to fight guys like Dylan White, to really show the world, um, you know, what he can do given that type of spotlight. I mean, 
And I think that this will be, he, he's definitely going to be taking this fight as like, this is it for me. I am 52. I've never won, you know, one of the major titles. Um, I'm still knocking guys out in the first round. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I think that he's going to do something that's going to shock a lot of people. I do like Ruiz a lot and I don't want to see it happen to him, but I think that Ortiz is going to be fighting like this is his last fight in boxing, and that's going to be enough to put uh, our guy Ruiz down. Yeah. So, kind of before we pivot, before we pivot into the weekend, I do want to mention one guy on the undercard. Obviously, you know, in my personal opinion, it's not a super stellar undercard like you would see in some of these super fights, but I think it is worth mentioning Jose Valenzuela. He's twelve and zero, eight knockouts. Okay. He checks for me personally every box. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah 100%. The eye test. I think I would like to see more out of him, right? It, it's a catch 22. I mean, he knocked out Vargas in less than two minutes. <laughs> like, he, he, he put one right on Vargas's chin, and the fight was over. Yeah. And then Dooley. We need a cutting. Uh, we need to cut up with that. Coming yeah. to America. That boy's good. Right, and <laughs> he is. He's, his fight against Dooley, you know, he trusted his chin, and he did take some yeah. shots well. But I mean, he beat Dooley basically yeah, to a pulp the entire fight. There was not one point he was <laughs> not in control. Okay, and honestly, yeah. I think he's still a little underrated. Right, he fought on the Yuga mm-hmm. Spence card, pretty still unknown. Had a good mm-hmm. showing there, and now he's back on this card, undercard. But like, it's not going to be, it's not going to be as highly anticipated as mm-hmm. some of these other fights. So I think he's going to fly back under the radar, right? WBC has him ranked ninth for his division. No other governing body has him ranked at all. So right, wow, that's right. This, that's cool. So WBO, WBA, IBF. No ranking. I think if he puts in a good enough performance this time around, he's going to finally start to get Mm -hmm. some prestige. And the fact of the matter is he's only 23. Like, you're 23 years old. Could you imagine his finished or his close to finished product when he's 26 to 28? Like, he's going to be a serious problem Mm -hmm. for the division for years, and he's not afraid to fight. He's only fought twice. He's only fought mm-hmm. twice this year. This is my last. This is my last poll. He only fought mm-hmm. twice this year. I think he probably fights one more time this year if this fight goes the way I think it's going to. Right. So I'm and I mean, he fought. Down. He fought times. He fought five times the previous year. So he's mm-hmm. not afraid to fight. Benavidez Senior is his his trainer. Like they have they have a production over there. They have, you know, just kind of a chain now of fighters that know how to whoop somebody. And that's and that's what he is. So put a note in it, watch out for him coming forward because he is going to be a Yeah, player. and um oh. no, no, sorry, no, no. I have a question. Oh sorry, Tim. Um Joe is someone, you know that was uh, on the inside of these things for a time. Um, why do you think certain fighters get fast-tracked? Someone like Boots Ennis, you know, let's shout out to Philly, you know what I mean? But he's 24 years old, you know, um, a resume isn't that much more impressive, but it seems like he's being, you know, fast-tracked. You know what I mean? To yeah, I think it's... Why is it some fast-tracked when others I, I think it's, it's a few things, right? I think it's part mm-hmm. opportunity. Right, like, I think it's also you know who your promotion knows, who your yeah. manager knows. Right, like, if if you're fighting under a promotion like DAZN, right, or you have Eddie Hearn as your as your promoter, manager, top ranked Bob Arum, they have these they have these established TV deals. They have these kind of hooks already in the landscape of boxing. It's going to be a lot easier mm-hmm. for them. To get a fight, then let's say I'll use an example: um, Ishmael Villarreal for main events 
who just worked on a three-year contract extension. I think he's an excellent fighter. And I think he's going to be trending upward. But in comparison, you know, main events is a bit of a smaller promotion. Even though their their organization structure is great and they're well-respected, these bigger promotions are are getting a lot of preference. And some would say rightfully so. It depends mm-hmm. how you feel about it. Because these guys can fight. It's not that they can't fight. It's just a combination of their ability and who they're yep. working. And uh, to piggyback off of that, you see that, uh, you know, recently with a guy like uh, Roly. <laughs> you know, I mean, Roly's, uh, you know, similar kind of record to uh, Valenzuela. I think he was uh, 15 fights or something like that as a pro. Um, but, you know, he really made himself more visible just because of his, uh, well, uh, really just talking. I mean, he talked his way into that fight with Tank. Uh, a lot of people would say, uh, I think that especially at that division, you know, when you look at uh, Valenzuela, he has the ability to really make a shot up to lightweight. You got guys, um, Teofimo is uh, dabbling in the idea of moving up. Uh, so is... Uh, Ryan Garcia. So you're going to have a lot of big names moving out of what is one of the premier divisions in boxing in, in terms of uh, lightweight. And everybody wants to see a lightweight fight, even though these guys are over 135 pounds. It's just like Tank. You got Devin Haney. Honestly, I should have said Haney first. I've been seeing him on Twitter. He doesn't like the disrespect. Devin Haney, uh, Tank. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You still have Loma. Loma, who uh, I'm, I'm not even sure if he's a uh, in a position where he's able to box at this point. I mean, he was actually uh, serving uh, for U- Ukraine. Um, yeah, with everything going on. Dude, Loma looked. I mean, that, listen, the Teofimo moves, there's nobody out here that's going to believe that mm. it's not because he's ducking Loma. Because that was, I mean, listen, that was so yeah. out of character for mm-hmm. Loma. That was first seven rounds, you know, because – I mean, in all reality, Loma probably yeah. won four of the last five rounds of that fight when he turned it on. It was like, oh, man, whoa, right. whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Um, I think Loma was another <laughs> case. He was smelling himself a little bit going into that fight. And, you know, Tiafimo, he's our, you know, he's good. He's solid. He's got, yep. he's got something in them hands. But, you know, I, I personally think Loma is still the king of, you know what I mean? Loma is still the king of that division from a technical aspect. Just an insane. He's an insane technician out there. Um, you know, not to really dive too much into the other side of it, uh, but, you know, this is a big reason why UFC is gaining, and MMA in general, UFC primarily is mm-hmm. gaining so much traction as opposed to boxing. Yep. There's a lot of politics involved in the sport of boxing. It's a who you know, who you're connected with, yep. you know, where are these revenue dollars? You have two guys, each holding the title, mm-hmm. each having similar records. Each bringing in solid pay per view numbers, and they're bickering about a, a 5% cut instead of two dudes that's going out there like, listen, 50 50, winner takes the, you know what I mean? Winner's getting the purse, and we're going to see who's, you know what I mean? We're going to see who's the man. Yeah. You know, it's promoters pinching pennies, and it's it's really damaging mm-hmm. to the to the sport as a whole. Yeah, I like the so, shot at uh, Spence versus Crawford there, by the way. We want to see it. I think Arrow wins, by the way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we'll salute and do it. So, so kind of going from, you know, the heavyweights in the ring and the, you know, the big blockbuster fights mm-hmm. this weekend on the mat, let's talk about on the gridiron. So we have some major we have some major college football games coming up. I know we want to touch on, you know, certainly a few battles. Um, and then obviously we want to give our betting notes at the end. So uh Sean, if you kinda of wanna kinda of take the lead here. Who are you looking at? What matchups do you have your eye on? Where are we going first? I mean, we have two off the top. Just on Saturday, we have two heavyweight title fights on the gridiron. You know, we have um, we have Oregon against Georgia. Um, you, you know, last year, Oregon pulled a huge upset over Ohio State early in the season. Um, you know, Georgia has a lot of questions, you know, not questions so much as, you know, they're replacing yeah. a lot of talent. They lost, I mean, I think it was 14 players drafted last year. 
it, like unreal. Um, and they still have just a sick amount of talent. Um, they still have three of my top ten prospects all on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it, they're it's just insane. Um, you know, you're going to see a lot of really, really bright futures out on the field. Uh, you got Penny Sewell's little brother, Noah Sewell. He's a linebacker nice. for Oregon. Um, I actually just did a cut-up of him on uh, the recent Pac-12 article that I did on the player watch list. Uh, the kid's instinctual. He is athletic. He flies around. Um, got a little bit of Luke Keekley in him. You know, that's high, that a high price. <laughs> but, you know, he's that is high price. You know, yeah. And then on the Georgia side of the ball, you're looking at, you know, guys like Kelly Ringo and Javon Carter and Nolan Smith. I mean, Javon Carter and Nolan Smith could realistically be a better defensive line duo than last year of, you know, Jordan Davis and Javon Walker, who were the 13th and first overall picks, respectively. Um, You know, that's a game that's going to have, you know, college football playoff implications. Um, And then we have another one, which is essentially a win and you're in for the college football playoffs. It's crazy to think that in week one. Uh, but you know you got number five Notre Dame going up against number two Ohio yep. State. Um, you're, you're looking at probably no less than five to six first round draft picks in this game. Um, Isaiah Foskey, he's an edge rusher from uh, Notre Dame. Um, you got Brandon Joseph, he's a safety at Notre Dame. Uh, Michael Mayer, who is arguably the best tight end in the country, playing for Notre Dame. And then uh, you know on Ohio State, you got guys like Paris Johnson. Uh, He's one of the top tier offensive linemen in this draft. CJ Stroud is obviously being talked about as a potential number one pick. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who the last time he took the field went off for over 350 yards in a Rose Bowl against one of the best defenses in the country in Utah. Uh, so you have just so much talent. And, you know, when you have two top five teams going at it this early in the season, two teams that don't have the benefit of playing that illustrious SEC schedule. Um, where, you know, a one or two loss team can make it in, this is essentially a win and you're in game because you're assuming that you mm. drop at least one game throughout a season. You know, you kind of got to bang on that. You drop this one early to a top five opponent, um, you know, you, you got a two loss season and that same opponent you just lost to head to head has a one loss season. Yeah. You're, you know, you're sitting from behind them in the playoff rankings. Um, so I'm really, really excited to see that one. Uh, we have some really fun storylines to this first week. Um, the, you know, Thursday night, you're going to have, you know, West Virginia versus Pitt. Um, obviously, it doesn't have the luster of something like a Notre Dame or Ohio State, but there's a lot of really fun storylines within that. Uh, the Big 12 is very much open for uh, an improving West Virginia team. West Virginia lost a lot. A lot of their losses came in very tight games last year. Um, I think it was something like, three or four of their losses on the year were by 10 points or less. You know, that wasn't a team that was a young team and they didn't get blown out much. Um, they got an upgrade, a, quarter, or a perceived upgrade, a quarterback with JT Daniels transferring over from Georgia via USC. Um, Pitt, you know, we uh, we covered it a little bit last week with uh, the transfer portal. They lost uh, superstar receiver Jordan Addison to USC. Um, they lost their quarterback, Kenny Pickett, to the draft. But, um, you know, US, another USC quarterback has made his way over to Pitt. And uh, Keaton Slovis, who I had huge, I mean, huge praise for last year. The kid is so naturally gifted. He was um, one of my top 20 prospects in the last year's, you know, preseason big board, you know, before the, the year shook out. Um, I think he was a product of a very, very rough year with a lot of injuries and an incompetent coaching staff. And now you're going to see, you know, Pitt versus West Virginia. Um, for those that don't know, JT Daniels was a superstar recruit uh, for USC. He, you know, had the job by the horns. He had an injury, and Keaton Slovis, who he's going to be facing off against, came in and took the job and never gave it back. You know, he just performed so well that you know JT Daniels straight up lost his job because he got hurt. JT Daniels left there, went to Georgia, lost his job to Stetson Bennett. Um, as you know, Stetson Bennett helped lead the Bulldogs to a national title game, uh, national championship. Um, and, you know, JT Daniels kind of just feels like the uh, like a misfit toy, you know. And the kid's got a lot of potential, man. You know, you're looking at two quarterbacks with a ton of potential that have really fallen flat on their faces lately. They're on some hard times. And, you know, there's got to be a little bit of tension going on between these two guys, you know. JT Daniels lost his job to Keaton Slovis. 
Um, and now Keaton Slovis is in the same boat as JT Daniels was with having to transfer out because he's been supplanted by somebody else in a new regime. It's, I mean, it's really, really interesting stuff. Uh, it's a really nice way to kick off, you know, Thursday, uh, the Thursday slate of college football, as well as Penn State Purdue. That should be a fun game. Um, Joey Porter Jr., who is, you know, the Joey Porter Sr. of Pittsburgh Steelers fame. Um, his son is one of the premier cornerbacks in, uh, in the game. He's He's awesome, man. He's he's big. He's physical. He plays with some swagger. Uh, he's just as effective in man coverage as he is in uh, he's in zone coverage. He'll come up, he'll hit you, he'll tackle. Uh, he's got a lot of Pat Tillman in him, a lot of Peanut Tillman, man. He loves going for the ball. Put his helmet right. There are some there are some comps getting <laughs> right now. We, Hot we Luke Keithley, Peanut Tillman. Oh, that's fine. And, and kind of my my thought on on West Virginia Pitt really is that it's essentially a revenge game wrapped in a redemption yeah. story, you know. That, that's that's kind of what it is. And I think that the the entire slate yeah. this week is going to be interesting. It's going to really recalibrate college football. Right? You always come in with preseason assumptions; they can change, you know. And I think that I mean Oregon Georgia. We talked about Georgia getting into the playoff last week. I think, you know, Sean, Iowa, and I all had Georgia in. And yes. I think Oregon could be the first nail in their coffin. I think it's I think it's more a high pressure game for Georgia than people are making it out to be. Oh yeah. Um Absolutely. And I think that is the game if I had to pick one of the ones that Sean mentioned, that would be the game that I'm most interested in. Because then Georgia, you know, presumably 11-3, even if you drop to five, you're on the outside mm-hmm. looking in. Then you got to work your way back in. So, and, and truly in college football there, unless you're Ohio State, there's generally, and Alabama, there's generally no champions bias. I mean, and I know that's going to probably get a little bit of a, a reaction, but I really don't believe that there is a champions bias. I think there's probably a big conference bias, mm-hmm. right? But, but if you're Georgia and you're on the outside looking in and you can't recapture what you had last year, you're going to be out. You're going to be out. So you, you almost yeah. have to win this first game. Yeah, Georgia's got a Georgia's pretty much got to run the table all the way to the SEC title game. Uh, if they're undefeated and drop, you know, drop on the Bama in the SEC title game, um, you know, more than likely they will get in. Right. But uh, you know, unless there's a host of of premier programs that are going undefeated. But um, you know, listen, man. All in all, this Georgia team. It's so hard for me to say that they're every bit as skilled on defense as they were last year, or every bit as skilled as a whole as they were on uh, as a team. You know, when you lose George Pickens, James Cook, uh, and you know the the amount of talent Jamari Saylor, um, and the amount of talent that you did on the yeah. defensive side of the ball, there's gonna be regression. And you know, this Oregon team, they got you know they lost their coach. There, there, there's a little bit of turnover going on right now, but you know they. Uh, they return a lot of the same people outside of Thibodeau and um, Verone McKinley, who were both you know draft picks last year. They're returning a lot of con- continuity to the field. You know that kind of cohesiveness can you know especially early in the season before a team really has a chance to gel in game time situations. That cohesiveness can go a very very right. long way. You know, um, one more thing I just want to point out is uh, everybody should be watching. I know it's not going to, you know, draw the numbers that something like Notre Dame and and Ohio State are going to get. Everybody should be watching Coastal Carolina take on Army. Uh, You have arguably the two best players from group of five schools or independent schools uh, going up against each other right now. Um, When I think of, you know, Coastal Carolina versus Army, I'm not really thinking like some type of – you know, like a premier matchup, but my guy from last week, Grayson McCall, he is what a guy, what a guy he is. He's, you know, one of the most talented quarterbacks in this class, and he's going up against a kid from Army, Andre Carter. Um, he's, how do I, <laughs> he is the Francis Ngannou of college football. Okay. He is humongous. 
um, a freak athlete, and he could very, he's an edge rusher for Army, um, and he could very well be the first Army player taken in the first round in or first player from a service academy taken in the first wow. round in like seventy something okay. years. He is exceptional. Um, it's just going to be you know it's when you think of uh, a quarterback and an edge rusher, it's like you know that's like your <laughs> mortal enemies going up against each other, you know, and. That's just going to be something so, fun to watch. You know, that's just a fun little matchup. So now, is that first. is that going to be your gambling game of the week, or do you have a different pick? Oh, no, that's absolutely my okay. gambling game of the week. Because as much as I like Andre Carter um, for Army, and as much as Coastal Carolina lost uh, from a talent perspective, I think they lost five guys to the NFL. Um, Grayson McCall is my guy. Okay. I'm riding with him. And Coastal yeah. is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Army. Um. Andre Carter's fantastic. The rest of the Army team, not so much. Coastal is going to light <laughs> them up. Uh, I'm looking at a double-digit win. Um, I'm looking at a double-digit win. That's, yeah. that's a lot. That is a lot. Um, you know, I don't think that Army can score with Coastal. And, you know, them Chanticleers, man. Grayson McCall just does something right. to them guys, man. No matter No matter what the situation is. No matter what type of heat he's under, the kid is already super precise with his ball. Uh, he doesn't take many unnecessary risks. He can get out and move it and, you know, do it himself, move the chains himself with his legs. I just think he's going to be too much for that Army defense to handle. Uh, Army didn't see a team like Coastal Carolina last year. Um, and, yeah, the two and a half points is – it feels <laughs> almost disrespectful to Coastal Carolina. Okay. So, yeah, Coastal Carolina uh, to cover – by a mile, um, if you're on a betting site and you can, you know, even buy down a little bit to boost your odds up, you know, three and a half, four and a half, five and a half, I would feel comfortable taking that up. To four All right. Half. Tim, you got a game? Uh, honestly, you know, I'm the fight sports guy. <laughs> I was trying to follow along yeah. with uh, everything that you guys are going on. I only know about the big schools. I saw um, uh, the, the game you were just talking about, uh, excuse me, which was uh, Alabama, or excuse me, Georgia playing, so. Yeah, sorry, I don't have much input, guys. <laughs> that's, that's okay because I I wanted to take us home anyway. So I want to look into the camera for this because I let people down last week. I heard that I was never going to be trusted again. I gave out a guarantee, and you, you have to understand. You have to understand. <laughs> I know you have to understand. There's degrees to a Joe Casey guarantee, and last week we we were wrong. You know, there's no moral victories in gambling. We were wrong. And we're going to get it right this week because this is too important to mess up. And I think what happened was I I was too focused in on the Irish. And I wasn't really reading the signs, right? We were in Ireland. It was the spring green grass. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the smell of the dew. It was the smell dew. of the morning dew in the air. But really... Oh. It wasn't, it wasn't the game in Ireland that was speaking mm. to me. It was the fighting Irish themselves. So this is the deal. We talked about the game. Sean mentioned it. 17 and a half points is, is the storyline. 17 and a half points is the storyline. The Irish coach has already come out and said it is true bulletin board material. It is a 2-5 game that feels like it is being lined up as a two verse 25 17 and a half points is too generous i'm not going to go as far as saying the over is going to hit it is 59 and a half which i think is a lot of points especially for a bolstered defense on the notre dame side so we're going to stay away from the over under this week but i'm going to take notre dame with 17 and a half points it's not a joe casey guarantee it doesn't move my meter that far but I, I think that it is a bet that you should be willing to entertain, especially if the line goes up. If the line goes down, think about it. If the line goes up, jump in. That's really all I have. I want to thank everybody for listening. Tim, Sean, as always, appreciate you getting on. Um, you know, always. We are going to be on next week <laughs> to make fun of you if Notre um, Dame gets the doors That's fine. Um, Tim's going international, so he might not be back, but we might have him call. I might be able to. Um, we'll see. Yeah. So, as always, 
Tim, do you want to tell the people? Uh, do you want to tell the people a little bit? Oh about yeah, your, uh, your I'm uh, heading out to Iceland actually yeah. uh, tomorrow evening, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Nice. See a lot of sights. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So you know, tell to tell my uh, my friends yeah. out there. You know, definitely. Oh yeah, I'll tell your cousin. Yeah, I got you, bro. Erickson, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch? The, have you watched the Viking, uh, the most re- or the Northmen? Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. with uh, Alexander yeah. Skarsgård yet? Have you watched it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you need Listen, to do research. Make sure. Follow us. Follow us on Twitter at MIP Scouting. We're also on Instagram, Facebook. You can find us also on Reddit, and obviously www.mipscouting.com is where we're going to have, you know, kind of the entire recap of this and also our affiliated blog posts with the events of the weekend. So uh, thanks, guys, for coming on, and uh, appreciate it. Hey, we got a lot of heat coming this week, guys. Got a lot of heat. Please stay tuned, and, you know, thank you for for your viewership and, you know, daily drops, college football, combat sports, uh, basketball is coming up, hockey's coming up. We're we're coming down the stretch of a a really fun MLB playoff race. It's there's gonna be plenty of content. Run it up, follow us everywhere. Like he said, MIP (laughs) scouting on Instagram. Show your uncle link to our website, even if he's one of the crazy uncle that talks politics. That guy probably also knows sports, so it it fits, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Until next week. Thank you. See ya.